welcome to episode six of Undressing Fashion. In this episode, we are speaking with Tamara Yovel Jones, an internationally recognized fashion designer based in Israel. She studied and was trained in fashion design in Israel and London. She has a long-standing relationship with the house Roberto Cavalli, as she was a designer there for many years and helped Cavalli form his own brand. She worked with Roberto Cavalli in the early 1970s, throughout most of the 90s, and was head of his design studio in Florence in the late 90s. She returned to Florence from 2008 to 2010 as fashion design supervisor at his studio. During her time at Cavalli, she split her time between Florence and Israel. She has also had her own boutiques and design studios in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. In 1975, she was also a fashion consultant for the government of Guatemala. Throughout her career, she has had many exhibitions and collections, including collections for Mesquite and Rikma, an exhibition of art to wear in collaboration that was shown in Israel and New York, and she was the initiator and co-curator of the recent exhibition, Decoding Israeli Fashion, at the Israel Museum of Jerusalem, which was the first major fashion exhibition in the country. Tamara has played an instrumental role in fashion education in Israel. After many years as a senior lecturer, she was the head of the fashion design department at the Schenker Fashion College and was also the head of the fashion and jewelry department at Bitzalel Academy in Jerusalem. Currently, she is a consultant and coach to many emerging designers and graduates of fashion design academies in Israel. She is often regarded in interviews and other media publications as someone who has trained and developed a generation of Israeli talent. So today, we're going to talk about mental health in the fashion industry and her experience as a seasoned fashion designer. I mean, we all know the suffering artist trope, that creative people like artists, musicians, designers, and actors often suffer from various mental health issues, particularly depression. But interestingly, psychological research doesn't seem to support a link between creativity and depression. There have been numerous important figures in the fashion industry who have suffered from issues like depression and substance abuse. Alexander McQueen, Tom Ford, Yves Saint Laurent, and John Galliano, just to name a few. So if research shows that there isn't necessarily a link between depression and creativity, then maybe it's the environment of the fashion industry itself that could be bringing this out in people. So that's what we wanted to find out about today. What it's like to work in fashion with someone who has had so much experience working in a major fashion house, as well as having her own boutiques and teaching and mentoring new talent. So now, without any further ado, here is the interview with Tamara and Aiden. Hi everyone, it's Aiden, and I'm sitting here with Tamara Yovel jones Tamara, firstly, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate you being here with us. Um, so why don't we start with you telling me a bit about yourself and your career? So, uh, what? Uh, well, I was born in Israel. I'm Israeli. My father was born in Israel. So, uh, but since I was 16, I knew I want to be a fashion designer, though I was in the uh, in the scouts, I was going to a kibbutz, I mean it was the 50s and uh, six, beginning of 60s, so it was another era, it was another time, another mentality in Israel, but I knew uh, since I was about 16 actually that I wanted to be a designer, it was really inside my tummy. And. Um, 
So eventually, I think when I was 24, I already had my first book, the first boutique in Jerusalem. Um, and uh, then I was designing here, I was designing, it was more than 10 years solid and then 20 years on and off in Italy, in, uh, in Florence, in, uh, in the house of Roberto Cavalli, who was his first designer in the 70s. I was working there for many years, uh, on and off, always coming back to Jaffa. He drove me here. Um, never made my mind, where do I want to live? So uh, this is my story. I was 30 years in the academy, I was in uh, 15 and uh, or more, 20 years in Shankar. was a, a senior dis uh, lecturer and then I was two years head of the department. Then I was four years head of the department of fashion and jewelry in Betzalel. Jerusalem, and uh, that's it. And then I did this. Uh, I was for many years. I had this dream to do uh, an exhibition in the, in, uh, the museum, like everywhere else in the world, about the specific story of the Israeli fashion. Is it like really decoding it? What is it? Was it completely European influenced by uh, global fashion or was there any local fashion? Was there anything in, that was done that was specific to this place? And we did find, uh, well, I did have an idea what was here, from here and what was brought in here. And so we showed the whole uh, scepter, you know, the whole story of uh, the Israeli. Not all, because, you know, from this exhibition you could do another 10. There's so many things there that that we couldn't put, you know, in a wide way, and in a deep way. It was uh, a bit tasting from everything. So, this is it. Yeah, I mean, and now I'm breathing for, <laughs> for a change in, after many years of working. And I'm writing my memoir. You know, my, uh, as you say, uh, an artist uh, book or notebook with all the things I did, remembering the path I did. That's it. I mean, I'm sure that that is going to be so interesting to read. I can't wait to see how that turns well, out. Well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, if I'll do it at all, I'm just playing with it now. Well, so today we'd like to talk about mental health in the fashion industry. Okay. First, I think, generally speaking, I should say something that, uh, you know, people don't get a mental sickness or get into a, a trauma or whatever from the fashion or whatever job. Yeah. People are growing up in certain circumstances and, uh, you know, it depends where they where they go and what, what they're doing, you know. There are people who also working in other fields that can pass a, a trauma or get depressed or... Absolutely. It is not, I think it's, generally speaking, it's not especially the fashion. Because fashion designers are famous and they're talking about, I think what brings uh, to surface and you know bring out the problems is the fact that they can't cope with the tension that this job is bringing them. The 
you know, they're like I remember Albert Elba saying, we're doing 14 collections a year. We don't finish one and we already start the other, or parallel doing three collections together. Karl Lagerfeld that died last week, he was known in the industry to be uh, a dinosaur, you know. He was, at the 80s and 90s, they were saying that he was doing parallel 40 collections. He, he had a capacity to work, which is amazing. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he did suffer from any <laughs> mental problem apart from uh, thinking he was, uh, you know, uh, Karl von uh, <laughs> Lagerfeld, you know. He was the dreaming, you know, he was, he was fantasizing. He was creating the fantasy that he wanted to live in, you know. Uh, it's also a kind of psychological aspect, you know. Somebody that grows up in a small village and uh, then arrives and starts to succeed and then with the success and a bit of money he buys a, a you know, beautiful country house, you know, kind of noble country house, puts his mother there, and from there he's, he believes that he's a noble person, you know, and he dresses up according, and he lives in uh, 200 years ago, our era, and, and th that's what I mean, like, you, when you're a designer, you know, your, your imagination is broad, and you really can live in the fantasy, they're very far out people, like there are far out people in music and <clears throat> performance and uh, you know creativity in any field comes from certain energy in you so um, when you're full of uh, imagination and and it works you know uh, and you create all the time and you need to create you can't stop creating but i think the problem is that the tension and, and the, the way the whole business works, they always put tension on you, everybody around. You have to sell, you have to be in time. Uh, su suppliers don't bring the stuff in time, you know, dressmakers don't sew quickly enough, you know. I remember a day before a fashion show, I, I was practically on the table, standing on my table, putting the, and taking one pattern and sort of altering about four dresses for the final, you know, on the material. Like I didn't have even time to give it to, to, to the pattern makers. But thanks God I knew how to make patterns because of my beginning. So I just drew it on, and, and then they saw, you know, four people sewed it, so it was ready for the next day. It's, it's like you, you put yourself in such a situation, and then you are, you can't, I remember my, my husband used to say, when I came back, I used to, sometimes in the 90s, used to go for a month to do a collection and come back, and my, my husband was staying here with my, my two daughters, and I used to come back, he said that I, they couldn't talk to me two months because I was completely out. And I was normal, like let's say, I was really, I didn't suffer from any uh, 
psychological or mental problems. I was I was very I coped mm. I coped but now I I feel I feel it now mm. I feel I have to completely change my life uh, in order or I had the need after the opening of the exhibition like I had at least half a year of just letting go letting go letting go it practically went out of my skin the, all the tension I lived, uh, and mind you, to be a head of department in 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 the academy is not a, an easy job. Uh, being charge and to be uh, responsible for so many students and each one with his own psychology. Actually, I think that we need. knowledge in psychology uh, when you are a designer for everything also when you are a head of department or just a lecturer a, a tutor in in a academy because it deals with people i remember when i had my fashion house and i was doing couture dresses for ladies and girls the worst is the girls before, you know, wedding dresses. I was one day joking and saying, well, girls, I'm going to put a, a big uh, page on the wall, a fashion therapist. Because, like, I don't, I, I never met a girl the most beautiful or whatever that didn't start with telling me how awful her body is. No, I've, I've never ever met a girl or woman that was happy with her body. I mean, why? I mean, we live in an amazing time that all the spotlight is like to be like Barbie or something. And even Barbies that, that arrived they used to tell me how fat they are here and how this is here and this I have the, and my legs are short and my this is this. And then comes the mother and the grandmother and the aunt that came together and there is a whole... And then the, the bride runs out crying because the mother didn't want this dress and that dress. Like you get into a very simple everyday psychology problems of... You're getting into a family mess when you're selling a, a, a dress for, the, for somebody. It's, it's unbelievable. And then students, they're hysterical. Before, before uh, the end of the project, the end of the year, before the show, they're in a state of, of hysteria. So... Slowly, slowly, within all these years that I was like 40, 30 years in the academia and, and working with people and with women especially, so you get then, I, you know, in a certain time I went and made, um, and I studied one year coaching because I, I needed, I wanted to have another tool. I didn't, psychology I didn't learn, but I, I think I know so much about it. 
just from dealing with people, just from common sense and from my own perception uh, and the way I, I brought up my, ch- my, my daughters and, you know, and uh, I think that uh, you have to have all these, uh, and, and going back to the difficulties, uh, well, it's mainly the, the system. The system is completely sick. It's been already many years, a few, at least ten or fifteen years. That even in the, in you know, in New York, the the association of designers were calling out, were making meetings and saying, "Listen, guys, I mean, it can't go on. This is not possible." It's a, it's hell. We have to change the system. Nothing. It got worse. And how do you think that the system can be changed to? Well, the, listen. Look, you can sit and think. I mean, what, now it's it's not even, as I said, fourteen collections. Now it's every two weeks something else. Have you know because of the computer, because people buy online. You have to change every. You know, all, all the manufacturers started, all the brands, the big brands are a bit stuck because they have to, they can't do more than pre-collection and collection. Uh, and they have to work one year in advance. But the copiers, <laughs> they're doing every, or all the websites, uh, they're all doing more and more and more and this industry is getting so big and so monstrous that it's really terrible. I've been looking this week there, all the last two weeks the show is from New York, London and now it was Milano and I was looking at at the shows and I'm saying unbelievable like everybody's doing the same Everybody's copying from everybody. People got so used to the mentality of looking at Instagram or, 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 uh, or you know, everything. All the all the blogs and, and all the newspapers because they, they're so used to see and to do that they don't even pay attention, I think, to the fact that eventually everybody's doing the same more. And uh, on the other hand, fashion is like the fashion now is short, uh, long, uh, messy, pink. There was nobody that didn't have orange. There's nobody that didn't, like, like you can, when you're in it, you can read immediately the trends. Trends. It's not trend because it's already now, but it's for the masses a trend. A very. Um, it's been quite a long years that I'm a bit, uh, you know, I'm a bit out of it, you know, fed up, uh, uh, disillusioned, saying many years ago I already said there's no fashion anymore, you know, all those uh, people are not getting dressed anymore. I mean, since uh, 2013, 14, when the core started, it just, you know, it makes me laugh when somebody says, this is my design, and it's a shirt with a, you know, like you were 
So she put the red stripe there. But it's a shirt, a shirt, a shirt. She didn't make a new shirt. She didn't invent it. I'm from the last century uh, when we designed, really. Uh, and it was uh, a feeling of satisfaction that you managed to do something else, something new. Uh, so, it's so, another story. Now. So what kind of advice do you give to, what were you giving to students and designers that you mentor? You well, know? I think that the key to succeed is to do your own thing. And each one of us has something else because we're all unique. Somewhere. We may be alike, but we are all. But each of us is complete, is is different. We grew up in a different way. Each one has his own story. Each one has his own taste, his own, uh, uh, you know, things that inspire him. So all this from all these ingredients, something else comes. Okay, it can be a dress, it can be a shirt, it can be a pant, but do it your way. Don't think that if the other one is doing it and this one is doing it, you have to do the same. But the fact that they're doing, you know, the, all the codes of, of perception of perception things are, are different now. Just the fact that she managed to do a shirt, she designed it, you know, like sometimes you, you see through the history how a, a word is changing and changing its meaning. So that's what's happening now. And I always push them, always, always, to do their own thing. In academy and out of it. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you feel that you know there is opportunity for new designers to do their own thing? I think so. I think, listen, what I see, and it's already many years, like I can see it especially in New York, but also in other places, designers, New designers uh, are, are coming out or are uh, chosen because they are special, they are different. So they catch the eye of everybody. And after two, three years, you suddenly see that they're doing whatever everybody doing. Why? It's the buyers. They're ruling the market. The buyers of all these big shops and these poor designers, they want to be there. So, no, you, they want the, the name of the new designer, but they want the garment that they, they, and she sold it last year and two years ago and that's what she's sure about. So, she make, they make all the designers do exactly the same. And it's so, and it's so sad. Uh, of course, there are unusual situations. People are keeping their own handwriting and their own DNA. But uh, generally speaking, this is the situation. And, and did you find that yourself, that kind of dichotomy between creativity versus business? I mean, Of course. All, everything you're doing is all the time thinking about both things. It's very, very difficult. You have to be very... Uh, uh, capable to do this thing. Not everybody has it. They need the advisors. They they need the set. You know the the 
salespeople to, to tell you, no, this won't sell. I was fighting it in the, my beginning. I was fighting it all the time. I was doing things because I felt this is right to do now. And I remember Roberto said, oh, this won't sell. It's difficult, you know, that, 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 that. I said, we'll say, we'll try. I was supposed, you know, and then it was a bestseller. So eventually he learned to, to trust, but still he was negative all the time, you know. Or there was another thing that it was not selling very well, but a season after they say, where is this stuff you did last year? We want it now because they were very backwards. The, the sale people, the, the, the buyers that came from shops in Germany, I mean, or from, uh, I don't know, kind of places. Uh, and, um, I mean, you know, related to kind of all of these pressures and the difficulties of the industry, in your experience, have you found that there's a conversation about the realities of it and kind of um, how to cope with it and stuff at schools and universities? No. In schools and universities, you learn apart from New York, that you learn to be a designer, that's all. You come out, you don't know fuck all, you're just sorry. You don't know anything about the world, you don't know anything about business, you don't know anything. The most practical schools which are in New York, like uh, Parsons, and they, they already understood it many years ago and they and they give the possibility to learn both things together, just the business of fashion and the designing of fashion and the marketing of fashion and like all the aspects of fashion. And, and uh, maybe, maybe like that they cope much better. Uh, they, they're, much, they're ready to, to, to get into this business. Uh, but just to be a designer, uh, you know, a lot of them change. You know, in Israel, which is such a small country, every year there are about 100 graduates from fashion design departments. And where, where will they go, for God's sake? I mean, there's nothing, there's no industry, hardly any industry. So this is one of the only countries that you see small studios, you know, with designers. You don't see it in Europe. You have big brands and... Here they have to cope with it, and some of them survive for one or two seasons, three seasons, and then they just can't cope because they face a lot of other problems. And and do you think that then the the young designers who don't have the opportunity to try, you know, start their own business or their own um, brand, who kind of get funneled into the big brands and then are working for other creative directors, think, do you think that's yeah. difficult as well? No, no, I think they should do that because there, this is what I usually tell them, before you open your own business, please don't do it before you go and work a few years in other places, you know, <coughs> in, in studios, in manufacturers, in small, whatever, go abroad, do whatever you want, just have, because in Europe, it goes without saying. I mean, you have to do at least 10 years of, uh, of stage, as they say. I mean, I think we've covered, you know, a, a lot here. Um, so I just have one final question for mm -hmm. you, which is just, do you feel that psychology is an important lens to look at the fashion industry with? And how do you feel it might add to the conversation? 
Well, I think the psychology is part of everything. I mean, it's not really... Uh, well, you sort of uh, deal just with this aspect of, uh, of fashion and psychology, but I think uh, psychology is there not only in the designers. Psychology is there in everything. It's What is psychology is, is sort of... Uh, learning the, the way people behave, you know, it's dealing with how people behave. So you have studios with pe people around there, there are manufacturers with, you know, this. wherever there are more than three people, even more than two, or three or four, guess, 100, 300, 200. I mean, there's always something happening, and it all, you know, and, and, and the character of the people sort of really, that's what their, you know, the relationship, the the hierarchy of of, of uh, jobs, of uh, it all creates. I mean, you can't really. I mean, and then there is another aspect of how, what is fashion. I mean, like why women want to wear exactly the same. This is also an aspect that psychologists would sort of uh, research into. What is fashion? Like, like why? And why there are certain women who wants to wear, you know, to, to get dressed in an individual way? There are these. There's always different kind of women. And there are women that, they're, I'm saying that they used to, I used to deal with, you know, I made an exhibition once of art to wear, which I was, we made a definition of certain types of women, how they get dressed. For me, the way I used to see the person through the way that he's dressed, today it's much more difficult because everybody's sort of dressing the same simple basic clothes, but you used to sort of be able to check the person and, and you know, to have a certain perspective perception about his character, his mood, you know, his, his uh, energy, his, his way of living through his clothes, like through their houses. I mean, today most of the houses are decorated exactly in the same way. You open uh, design magazines and they're all fucking grey. I mean, what? Everybody is doing exactly the same, white and gray and this and these materials and this mix. The same with clothes. There's this famous book about these uh, old ladies from New York, mostly Jewish, you know, that guy I met him, we met him, he came here to the Fashion Week. A young guy that was doing the, to photograph this, uh, and then Zipporah, whatever. And he, Funky, beautiful women, you know, like amazing clothes. I mean, look at me, dressed black. That's how I dressed. You know, I was a peacock. I used to get dressed like all the students in Chengkara waiting. Okay, what she, how is she going to come today? I loved it. I lost it now. I lost it. I don't have the need anymore to, to be a... You know, like a, a fancy bird, you know. 
but it was, you know, fashion was fun once. It's not fun anymore. Uh, and maybe it's right because clothes are are for functioning, you know, for not to be cold. But still, I look at Africa. Look at tribes in Africa. You were coming from there. Even that they don't wear clothes. They paint the bodies, they sort of make tattoos, they pinch their skins, whatever. Because as human beings have, have it within it, if you talk about psychology, this is something to research. The, uh, and I, I'm right, I usually talked about, you know, like I'm, I'm talking about it. The need, the, the natural need of a human being to decorate himself, to get dressed, and and to see through the history how it changes with the sociology, with the you know according to the to the theories and the philosophy of the time and the art and how everything changing to and the dresses according to that. It's it's a very interesting subject. Uh, so, why wearing jeans and t-shirt for good? Why? Why? What's so great about? Okay, it's easy. It's it's not cool anymore. Even you know it used to be cool, but it's not cool anymore. Uh, so, I really hope the world will come. You know, my grandmother used to say, you know, when the bar, is, all the magazines there, it's when it's full. You put it upside down and you start again and it's true the fashion is changing um, but it's also fashion is according to, to politics politic beliefs look at that China Russia or oh, the Israeli dress in the 40s 50s you know uh, a country that was created you know with a social uh, ideologies of, you know, girls were very miserable, you know, of hiding their silk uh, slip, slips and, uh, and dresses from Europe and having to wear khaki and uh, working, working clothes and uh, they did it sometimes very happily, some, some of them not. You know, all kind of stories around clothes. Clothes, you know, it's a big, big subject. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, I don't know even where we started, but I've arrived here. <laughs> we have to, um, I think psychology is a very important aspect in everything. So the same, it goes also to fashion. Even just the fact that why women want to dress the same, why they need, because they have to be part of a tribe, part of a group. They want to be connected. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Uh, all my life I was for individualism, and I was really pushing it. I was always uh, trying to dress my way but I 
I can see that now, you know, times have changed and, and the, what's happening now is more, more solid, more, more simple. Though they go on making big fuss out of it, you know, in the fashion world. And uh, it goes to the museums, it goes to exhibitions, because these clothes that they're doing for the fashion shows, they don't sell in the shops. Very rarely. Very, very small part of it goes to the shops. Because who wants to wear it? Yeah, it's a completely changed landscape. It's mm. very interesting. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. We really appreciate it, as I say. Such a thought-provoking conversation that you had with Tamara. I think that discussion was really needed because it shows how pressurized the global fashion industry is and the skills and the coping mechanisms needed to cope with it that it's clear many designers and other people in the industry do not have. So I thought it was just so fascinating to hear from, to hear what she had to say to you from the perspective of an internationally recognized designer. Don't you think? Absolutely. And she's someone who has had such wide ranging experience. I mean, not only has she worked at a global fashion house that, you know, she was there for such enormous success and years of real, like massive growth, but she's also owned her own businesses and she's taught new designers. So she can really look at the industry from a lot of different angles. And she has a lot of insight into the problems that exist in lots of different places and the different, you know, jobs that designers might have along their careers. Yeah, and it felt like a very macro level perspective. Like sometimes you can be talking to probably a more new designer and she'll just, she can say like how it's not, how the industry is really great, but give her another five years and see what she experiences. So it's really great to see someone who who's lived in different countries as well. As she spoke about, she went back and forth to Roberto Cavalli in Florence and just getting such a broad perspective on the ups and downs of a career, which is probably this similar in a lot of different careers, but especially pertains to the fashion industry, which focuses a lot on the way people look and superficiality and the bottom line and selling and the pressures that when you're a creative, you don't really want to focus on, you want to create, you exactly. don't want to worry about selling. Exactly. And that's, I mean, I think for a lot of designers, that's what draws them to working in fashion, becoming fashion designers, is that they want to be creative and they want to express themselves. They don't go into it thinking and looking at it as a business perspective um, a lot of the time. I'm sure, you know, there are some who do. But certainly for her anyway, that wasn't why she became a fashion designer. And I think it's something that a lot of people definitely struggle with. Um, and, there, you know, there has to be some way of helping designers learn, you know, the ways that they can cope with this or, or distribute work in different ways in fashion to help, you know, the creatives flourish creatively while helping them along with the business side of it. Yeah, and she did mention that, the schools in Israel were not so well equipped to deal with this, that they focused 
all on the creative side and then sent these designers into the world and they had no idea how to deal with the business side or the psychology of it all or anything. And so she did mention Parsons and schools in New York that it seems like they give them more business classes or just some foundational classes that are definitely needed. You don't have the foundations of how to run a business. You're definitely going to feel really overwhelmed. So, and you know, even on top of that, even more so, you know, it's not just the people who start their own businesses and brands and companies who might struggle with it, but even within fashion houses and when you're designing, you can't be purely creative. You have to think about what's selling, what the buyers are looking for. Um, and you have to be a lot more practical. And she, you know, as she said, this can, you know, come at the cost of your creativity in the end. Yeah. And she also mentioned um, Carl Lagerfeld, who um, I'm not sure if everyone knows, he passed away last week. And he's basically probably one of the best designers in the history of fashion design. And she said that he was known for almost having 40 collections going on at the same time that he designed. For him to be the like the epitome of what a designer should be or what people should strive to, I think is dangerous. Even that she said that. So, and everyone who knows Karl Lagerfeld's designed for Chanel, Fendi, other brands, he had a lot of help. And his bottom line was taken care of because that's what Chanel and Fendi run on. So, I, yeah, the pressure just is definitely a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. It really is. Yeah, I, the, the, something has to change. Something's got to give. Um, and with the way the fashion is changing at the moment, you know, with, with the way it has changed in the past decade with fast fashion, it's going to have to slow down, not just for the environment and not just for overproduction and for economic reasons, um, but also for the well-being of the workers themselves. Yeah, and the mental health, because if you can't, you can't help yourself you can't help others so if we want these designers to really succeed they need to have good well-being um, another thing that she said that I thought was really interesting is when you asked her what does psychology have to do with it and she basically said well it has to do with everything and we spoke about this and especially our first episodes because it's all about the why like why and she brought up a lot why are people why do people copy everyone? Why is everyone trying to be part of a tribe? We talked about how there's so much stimuli in the world, especially like fashion stimuli and so much going on that people don't have time. So they do follow trends because then they fit in then they look good and they don't have to think about it. And I really, really liked what she said about there's this natural need for humans to decorate oneself. So like seeing fashion through history and different cultures is so fascinating to me because even without clothes, we're finding a need to decorate ourselves. So clearly it is so important. She really put, you know, put what we all feel into beautiful words. Yes. So we just want to thank you all for listening. We love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram at Undressing Fashion and find us on Facebook at Undressing Fashion. 
And don't forget to rate us on iTunes and bye for now from Megan and Eden. And thanks for getting undressed with us. <laughs>